You're now tuned in to the Brendan King Show. From high above the circle in downtown Indianapolis, here's BK. Thank you so much. How's your bracket looking as we talk on this Saturday? I can tell you as of 1 o'clock in the morning on March 20th, mine's not good. I had San Diego State in the Sweet 16. And uh, that's not good. It's not good at all. I also had Ohio State in the Elite Eight, like most people. So that's not good. I had... Utah State against Texas Tech. And how could you not after listening to Craig Smith? And Craig Smith's team had the lead at halftime in that game against Texas Tech. But Chris Beard's club figured it out. Credit to them. Thankfully, I did not pick the Colgate fighting dentists. I had Arkansas in that game. My national champion is Baylor. Here's my final four. I didn't think I got to this earlier in the week. I'll take Baylor, Illinois, Florida State out of the east. And I'll take Kansas out of the West. I think Kansas right now, because of their COVID situation, look, Jalen Wilson's going to miss the first round game. That's already been determined. Kansas will not have Jalen Wilson against Eastern Washington. And no offense to Kyler Hunt, who we'll hear from soon. I know he's a Washington State guy, but he's still a resident of Washington. No offense to Eastern Washington. I think Kansas can handle them. You would hope after how things have gone. They're going to get David McCormick back. Reportedly, he arrived in the bubble on Friday. So he is good to go apparently. Now Kansas still trying to get healthy and maybe they haven't had a full time practicing but I think Kansas the the Jayhawks I picked them in the final four before and I kind of got the weird look like Kansas? Are you picking Kansas? Look if Jalen Wilson if they get him back for the round of 32 I think Kansas can fly under the radar because we have seen that a team like Oregon or Iowa is beatable. Hell, Iowa got swept this year by Indiana, and I'm sorry for you folks listening in the Hoosier State right now. Indiana stinks. They stink. And they swept Iowa. So I think Kansas is flying a little too under the radar, and I think that's a good pick in terms of value for taking them in the Final Four. And based off what has happened, a shorthanded Kansas team making a run is not out of reach. But what a day. Oral Roberts upsets Ohio State. North Texas takes down Purdue. All of you tried to tell me Villanova and Winthrop, please kindly apologize. Look, I know Colin Gillespie matters. I did not buy into the Winthrop thing. Winthrop's really good. But Villanova still has two lottery picks of the future in Jermaine Samuels and Jeremiah Robinson Earl. And Winthrop could not handle that backcourt in any way. I took Wisconsin as well. I didn't buy into the North Carolina hype. I think Wisconsin was due for that type of performance, and they got it done. But again, my bracket doesn't look very good. And I can also say, if you guys are about to make fun of me, yes, the coaches that have come on the podcast so far were 1-6 today. They were 1-6. The only win, an upset, which I also took, by the way, Oregon State beating Tennessee and pretty handily at that. Wayne Tinkle, leave it to Coach Tinkle to get it done. And I really enjoyed that conversation. I hope you you guys did too. But Mike Rhodes, the head coach at VCU, Coach Rhodes, his club will take on the Oregon Ducks at 10 o'clock on Saturday tonight. And uh, the Rams 
out of the 810 will try and make some noise. We have three more BK show coaches to try and do something. That's Mike Rhodes. That's Joe Golding and Abilene Christian against Texas, who I am taking that upset. I told you guys that already. And Grand Canyon, Bryce Drew. And how could you not love Bryce Drew? But uh, I think Iowa gets it done there. Just so hard. Luca Garza. And, you know, this is the first NCAA tournament, Division One for uh, Grand Canyon ever. And they got to deal with Luca Garza down low and Joe Wieskamp on the wing. And that's not easy in any way. So... Uh, that is how it's going. Yes, again, coaches that have come on so far are 1-6. That doesn't take away how much I appreciated their time, but you know, I'm seeing a lot of uh, a lot of Ohio State stuff out there. I saw a lot of Fire Holtman tweets today uh, just from people on Twitter, not necessarily from anybody I knew, but I saw a lot of Fire Holtman tweets today, and what did we say? You know, again, I can't thank Holt enough for the time this week, but when he left Butler, what did we say that you know, the second that things start to look a little shady and the second that, you know, the the dark clouds start to cover that program in terms of a losing sense, they're not going to give him much of a leash. And, you know, I don't. it would be uh, incredibly stupid for them to fire a guy like Chris Holtman there or even to get rid of a Terry Johnson and Ryan Peden on the assistant coach side. But, you know, what do we say? The second that things start to look a little difficult for the Ohio State program, they're going to turn on him very quickly, and they turned on Thad Mata in a hurry. And, you know, Thad Mata, God bless him that he was able to get past those health issues and that he's doing well, you know, from everything I've read. And he's a Butler season ticket holder. I know his daughter goes to Butler now. Good for Thad Mata. But, you know, I just hope that Holt can stick with it. I wish him the best. But, you know, again, uh, we're going to get to some voicemails here. So we've got some great calls coming in from uh, Brad and Kyler and Jack and um, – I know Kyler touches on uh, uh, Oral Roberts, and he left that voicemail earlier in the week, and uh, we're going to hear his thoughts about Oral Roberts. And look, put when we hear it, put it up to Kyler that uh, he called that this could be a thing, and for a kid that is an Ohio State fan. But I feel for Holt and the Ohio State coaching staff that uh, you know it, it, it's not acceptable to lose around a 64 game when you're a two seed against a 15 seed. That's unacceptable, unacceptable. And Holt knows it's unacceptable, even without Kyle Young in that lineup. But you, you, you should things should look better when you got a CJ Walker out there and you got Dwayne Washington out there and an EJ Liddell. It should be better. But anybody that's calling for Fire Holtman is full of crap. That that what do we say? Ohio State didn't fill up their arena before Holtman got there. They didn't fill up their arena with Thad Mata there. And the second things go bad, they're not going to fill up their arena again when we do get back to full fans. It's unfortunate. Back day of the BK show. I do want to get to BK's big play here after what we saw yesterday to lead off March Madness. What a game between the Florida Gators and the Virginia Tech Hokies. You know, Mike Young, who was great earlier in the week. Mike White, give him credit for that coaching job for the Gators. But um, we have now Jim Nance and Bill Raftery back together. And what more could you ask for in March? Really, what more could you ask for in March? They had a terrific call, back and forth, great analysis on the uh, end of regulation buzzer beater from Naheem Alenye from Virginia Tech to force overtime. Jim Nance doesn't always get up for those calls. And I say get up in terms of really, really put that extra emotion into it. Jim Nance is a calm, cool, and collected guy. We've known that from the Masters. Hell, you look back at Jim Nance's call, the uh, Chris Jenkins buzzer beater for Villanova, he does get excited, but he doesn't get crazy. This call, 
this call, maybe it was just because there was a, it was the first game of March Madness and we were going to overtime. Maybe there's that just extra sense of excitement that Jim Nance is calling a basketball game after this long. But he got up for it, and I really like this call. So let's get to BK's big play right now. 0-2. Fastball got him swinging. Milwaukee leaves him loaded. When they give it. Five seconds. They're not giving it. For the tie. seen that you have an opportunity in the backcourt just over the timeline and nobody at home a cover late you know what i'm saying that jim nance really got up for that call that's not your typical jim nance excitement now whether you watch the nfl whether you watch college basketball and you know how jim nance has the best job in the world he goes from calling the nfl with tony romo he slides right into the ncaa tournament he's calling these basketball games at a high level i can't tell you as a broadcaster how hard it is to take time off from one sport and then just jump back into it and act like nothing happened you know going from the pandemic to doing sports radio and jumping into hockey, jumping back into hockey in like December was like taking a donut off of a baseball bat. Uh, Doing hockey for the first time after, you know, close to nine months was one of the most challenging things I've ever had to do calling play-by-play. It was, you just got to get used to that pace again. And look, basketball is not as fast-paced as hockey, but hell, the names, the preparation coming in, Jim Nance doesn't do basketball other than the tournament. And that just shows what a master he is at what he does. And I also want to point out, Bill Raftery, one of the best analysts in all of sports, it can be very easy for an analyst to get too excited or too pumped and then jump in on your call. As much as I love Dick Vitale, that's the problem with Dick Vitale. He... Or even a, a Bill Walton, right? Even a Bill Walton where he's, you know, Bill Walton could be talking about donuts or cereal for, t- for 25 minutes. But, you know, Dickie V is always talking about the game, but he's going to interrupt you and go, oh, 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 but that's Dickie V, right? The, the part about Bill Raftery that's so good is he lets Jim Nance make the call, then he comes in with that great analysis. For some reason, some analysis, some analysts, Cannot get down. You need to shut up and let the play-by-play guy talk. That's one of the biggest lessons you need to learn as an analyst. And even a play-by-play guy, in the important moments, you don't always need to talk constantly. And for a color commentator, one of the best skills you can pick up right away is literally knowing when to shut up. When you know when to shut up and then you come in with that analysis at the right time, just like Raf did there, that was really good. And that's just a high-level broadcast team. Mike Young said it on the podcast earlier this week. It's Jim Nance. It's Bill Raftery. It's Tracy Wolfson. It's Grant Hill. It's Hinkle Fieldhouse. It's everything you want in March. And I can't wait for the Final Four to listen to them again. But, you know, Bill Raftery is getting older. He's 77 years old, and he still breaks down a game like a pro. And, uh, you know, that watching that first game, look, that's the first true March Madness. We had the play-in games on Thursday, but that's the first true March Madness game in a year after the year we've had and what we've all been through. You get Jim Nance, you get Raft, you get a great game, you get a regular, uh, you get a regulation buzzer beater, you get a great overtime, Florida comes away with the win, and, and it was a terrific call by Jim Nance and Bill Raftery. And that's just how a broadcast team should work.
And when Bill Raftery eventually does retire, that's what I'm going to miss. Jim Nance, on the other hand, he's going to go from you know calling these early games into the Final Four and straight to the Masters. Hell of a life for, <laughs> for Jim Nance. We're going to get to our interview. Now, we had to push back the interview with Steve Lavin. I did not know Lav was doing broadcast. I did not know he was actually doing color for CBS. So he's been traveling all over. He's doing the games remotely. So he has, had, he has not had that time to jump on the pod. But he will be on here during the tournament. I can promise you that. He wants to come on, and uh, he will take some time eventually. Uh, it's just a matter of getting our schedules to work together. And considering I'm talking to you at 1 a.m. right now, my schedule uh, has been a bit off the rails. So we do have an interview, however, with Mike Rhodes, the head coach at Virginia Commonwealth University. The VCU Rams go in tonight at 10 o'clock against the Oregon Ducks. Very cool interview with Coach Rhodes. He was Shaka Smart's associate head coach in the 2011 Final Four when uh, Butler played VCU in that great Final Four game. We dive into that. We dive into what the Rams look like this year, and we talk about their run towards the 8-10 championship. They lost to St. Bonaventure. The Bonnies play LSU today. Let's get to Coach Rhodes on the BK Show. Brendan King with you. A joy to welcome on the head coach of the VCU Rams out of the Atlantic 10. It is Mike Rhodes in his fourth season at the helm of VCU and a longtime associate head coach there as well during their Final Four run in 2011. Coach, it's great to be with you. Thanks for taking some time and most importantly, welcome to Indianapolis. Oh, well, I appreciate it. It's a, it's a great basketball city and state, as you know, so we're excited to be here. You know, when we found out the NCAA tournament was coming here, you know, December, January, it's good to just be in this time. It's good to be in March that there was all the talking, there was all the planning, but I got to imagine it feels really great for your crew to actually be here in the hotel ready to go. Yeah, no, absolutely. Once we got on the, once we knew who we were playing and we're in, uh, you could see the excitement. We got a young team, so this is a a lot of new experiences for these guys. And for me as a head coach, anytime you can bring your team to the NCAA tournament and experience it like this, you know, big, big time, big time feeling. It's, it's what these guys dream of. It's what you dream of as a coach. So we're excited to be here. We want to stay for a while. So we got a lot of work ahead of us. It's your second NCAA tournament as the head coach at VCU. As mentioned, you had that great run with Shaka Smart as the associate head coach. But your last one against UCF a couple years ago, and you mentioned how young of a team you have. You have five upperclassmen, but you know from that NCAA tournament against UCF, I have to imagine the upperclassmen that you do have, Coach, are just chomping at the bit of getting back onto the floor in March Madness. Yeah, really, there's two here that, that experienced that, you know, when we went to South Carolina and played UCF. So, you know, we're, we're, we're leaning on those guys, explaining to the guys, hey, enjoy it, enjoy the process, but it's a business trip too, and let's take full advantage of it. Uh, but, you know, any it, look, this is what these guys dream of, and so and what a great experience for them to have, especially in Indianapolis, which is a great city. But well, I want to make sure that we uh, we know it's a business trip too and that we're, we're ready to go here Saturday night against a, a great Oregon team. You mentioned the Oregon Ducks, the seven seed. Late tip at 10 o'clock inside the Indiana Farmers Coliseum over at the fairgrounds on TNT. Coach, what stands out most about the Ducks? Well, they're just so efficient on offense. They're very talented. Of course they are. We all know that. But their efficiency on offense, uh, they do a really good job of of getting you in isolations and attacking you in specific ways. So our guys got to be, you know, we play defense and we like to play the style that we do. But we got to have great respect for them and and understand the scouting report is going to help us in this game. But there's some very talented players on their team that can score in buckets, and we got to be ready to do that. 
I think everybody knows the legend of VCU, the Havoc defense. But, Coach, for your club yourself, when you guys are at your best, when you guys are firing on all cylinders, what are you doing well? Well, of course, you know, that style of play on defense. But offensively, you know, when we're, when we're, we're pushing the ball, we're playing fast, and that ball's hot. Uh, if we over-dribble, that's when we get ourselves in trouble. When we really move the ball as a young team and get each other shots and really attack, that's when we're at our best. You beat th- you beat Dayton three times this year, and you know you hear coaches say all the time, and you know media like too. It's so difficult to beat a club three times on a year, and of course in the A10 tournament, the last seventy three sixty eight on the fifth. How tough is it, especially with a team like the Flyers in your own conference, to actually go out and execute that, where you're able to defeat a team on three separate occasions? Yeah, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm not saying I'm, I'm shocked because I believe in our guys, but uh, you know, to, to beat an Anthony Grant team one time, let alone three, is you know, it's just something we got to be proud of, and we got to use those experiences now against some really good teams. Because you know, a guy like Jalen Crutcher, who you know I think is one of the best players that played in the A10 in a long, long time, to guard him the way we did all three games, we got to guard specific players in the NCAA tournament like that. So those experiences definitely got to help us and it gives us confidence that's for sure of course you guys come close to an a10 championship but i thought it was interesting that you played dayton and davidson on back-to-back days and you wait about a week to play in the championship game was that a challenge for you guys of you know building that momentum those two big wins then kind of waiting a week and seeing that go away was that tough going into st bonaventure honestly it was a little bit of both because we were banged up that weekend and uh the the break got us healthy legs and and took away some of the bumps and bruises at this time of the year. But I didn't like it because, you know, having a young team, you want to have them ready to go quick, right? Uh, Having all those days off, I'm not saying we were were spoiled into going into the final, but I just felt, I felt, man, if we would have played it maybe Wednesday, that that would have helped us, you know, our psyche a little bit better. But uh, they're all learning experiences. Um, You still get to an A-10, you know, championship game. You got to be darn proud of it. Wish we would have played better. Credit to St. Bonaventures. But it was a little bit different. It was a long layoff like here now, but, you know, the difference is we're, we're in Annapolis knowing we're in the tournament, uh, so it's a little different of approach. It's Mike Rhodes with us, the head coach for the VCU Rams. All right, Coach, I want to take you back to 2011 and your time as the associate head coach under Shaka Smart and kind of building towards becoming a head coach, of course, at Rice and uh, now at VCU. You know, I'm a Butler alum. I'm a Butler grad, and uh, that right. Final Four was was awesome. Um, just, a, just a hell of a game, obviously. But I want to ask you just about what you learned during your time as the associate head coach about coaching in March Madness, coaching in these difficult situations that has helped you set up to now? Well, you know, one thing that helped me, I was a Division three coach for 10 years before I went and worked for Shaka. So those 10 years of small college, you learn to do everything, right? But then nothing prepares you uh, to get to the NCAA tournament as a head coach than going through it. Those times with Shaka going to the NCAA tournament and making runs, you know, it was just awesome. What a great experience. You know, you, you, you learn really quick at this time. You don't sweat the small stuff. And don't forget about what's the most important thing, coming here and to win games. Let the guys enjoy this. Let's let's really enjoy the experience. Let's get closer as a team, but let's make sure our you know our eyes on the prize of, of winning the next game. And and uh, you know I've always remembered that that was our approach in 2011. A lot of people didn't think we should have been here in the tournament, uh, but we were. And th- those guys took advantage of being here, and they were focused, laser focused on winning the next game. And you know that's something we we preach to our guys now. 
What about the job uh, that Coach Smart has done this year at Texas, Coach, and uh, the run they made beating a very good Oklahoma State team as well? Yeah, just phenomenal. I mean, he, he's a leader, man. He's a leader, and, and uh, those guys, you could tell those players are playing for him and each other. And when you have that type of bond, you just don't let each other down. And uh, you could just see the way the way they played all year long. They were doing it the right way in a, in a great conference. And uh, just super proud of him, super happy for him and his, his players. And, and uh, you know, when you have a great leader, great things could happen. Coach, last thing, I'm curious, are you a suit guy? Are you enough of a suit guy to, to suit up during the tournament? Are you going to kind of stick to the, the, the polo look? No way, man. If I had it my way, I'd be in jeans and hoodies. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> no, I, you know what? That's uh, I, my here. I wanted to be a coach. One reason I wanted to coach was my father every morning left the house in jacket and tie, and I said, "Man, I don't want to work like that." <laughs> so, and of course, I'd be a coach, and you have to wear suits and all that stuff. But, man, this year has been a lot of fun. Just feeling very comfortable on the sidelines, not worrying about if your tie's straight or not. Uh, uh, if if we have if I have it my way, you won't see a suit on me ever again. Oh my God! Well, I mean, I don't think anybody can really go as far as like Bray did at Notre Dame, right? With the shorts. I mean, it, that dude would wear a tank top and nothing if he had the choice. Yeah, he he thinks he's on he's at Dewey Beach in Delaware, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's uh, you know I, I think you got to be comfortable, right? You got to be in your own skin, and and uh, I like the setup we have now, um, and it's it's all about the kids. It's not about the suit you have on, uh, but I like wearing you know a little pullover and a, and a pair of slacks, and you're good. So I hope that continues. It's Mike Rhodes, the head coach at VCU. They'll take on Oregon. A late tip at ten o'clock on Saturday. That's actually the final game of the first uh, first slate on. TNT. Coach, really appreciate the time. I wish you guys the best of luck and uh, hope to see you guys make a run. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Coach. That is Mike Rhodes, the head coach at VCU. Appreciate his time as his team squares off with the Oregon Ducks at 10 o'clock inside the Indiana Farmers Coliseum at the fairgrounds. I thought seeing all the facilities in day one was really cool. And seeing the redesign of it with that March Madness floor was interesting, but I think you could really tell still apart each facility, except really Assembly Hall. If it wasn't for that huge Bloomington printed on the sideline at Assembly on the floor, I would never guess that's Assembly Hall unless the camera takes that position where you see the seats uh, from that sideline camera. Other than that, if you look at the overhead at Assembly Hall with these games, you really can't tell it's Assembly Mackey, you can tell. Uh, Hinkle, absolutely. Uh, the Coliseum, I for sure can tell after you know spending a ton of time in college there with the Indy Fuel for the better part of you know two and a half years. Uh, Lucas Oil, obviously, and even Banker's Life. I think Assembly's the only one where I really couldn't tell watching the game. Like, where is that? Is that the Coliseum or is that Assembly? And then the camera went to the sidelines. Like, oh, okay, there you go. But I I think they've done a terrific job with all of the facilities. Short episode today. Want to make sure we got a short episode because it's Saturday. I know you guys all, I'm sure you guys all have plans. Um, whether you're going out or you're drinking at home or whatever, it's Saturday in the round of 64. I fully expect you guys to be doing something. But if you are spending your morning or early afternoon with me listening here, I really appreciate it as you get your day started. Everything you need to know about March Madness. Let's get to some voicemails now. I mentioned we would get to all the voicemails we got this week on today's episode. This guy has been waiting a while to get on. It is Mista Brad in Indianapolis, who gave us a great look at the, his March Madness bracket and some thoughts. Go ahead, Brad. 
BK, Brad Parrish reporting live <laughs> from March Madness headquarters in Indianapolis, Indiana. What a great week we have on tap with every March Madness game in Indianapolis this year. Wanted to call, leave my thoughts on the on the release of the bracket, some potential matchups I like, and then I'll hang up and get your thoughts. So Gonzaga in the West region, BK, I don't I don't really see them having any issues whatsoever. Um, you know, they beat three of the teams already in this in this region, Iowa, Kansas, Virginia, all pretty handily if I do remember. Um, so I don't see anybody slowing them down in terms of coming out of the West. I think they, they cruise to a Final Four spot. Now, the other three regions, um, on the other hand, they got a little more firepower, I think. So you look at the South region, right? Baylor, Ohio State, Arkansas, Purdue, to name a few, right? Um, I still think Baylor is the strongest team in that region. I like them in a potential Sweet 16 matchup against the Boilers. I think that could be a tough game for Baylor. Baylor's got good guard play. Um, Purdue's got a good interior with Williams, so I think it could be an interesting matchup. Um, overall, though, I think Baylor-Ohio State is, is the Elite Eight matchup, you know, for the taking in that region. Um, I just think Ohio State's too strong. Baylor's too strong. It could It could leave us with a great, great Elite Eight game. Um, also like Winthrop to upset Villanova without Gillespie. I think they're going to be hurting with the loss of him, so look out for that one. Um, Michigan in the East region is going to be a tough out. LSU could provide them with a tough matchup in the second round. Um, they're a dangerous team. Athletic can shoot. Um, overall, though, I think Michigan um, and Alabama will meet in the Elite Eight there. Um, I do like the Crimson Tide to reach a Final Four. Second-year coach Nate Oates done a great job there. They shoot. They push the pace. Um, however, they could run into some trouble if they're not shooting well on a particular day. So we'll see on that one. Um, and then finally in the Midwest, uh, I just think Illinois is too strong. Um, a potential Illinois-Tennessee game in the Sweet 16 is interesting. Both very athletic teams. Um, but overall, I think Illinois gets out of that. Um, and then to be honest, BK, I like Gonzaga winning it all right now. Too strong, um, too versatile, can shoot the ball, push the pace. Um, I think that's how it's going to go. I'll hang up and get your thoughts. All right, Brad, obviously you left that voicemail earlier in the week. And yeah, like I said, a lot of people were on Winthrop. And how could you not be without Gillespie? But again, with Samuels and Robinson Earl still there, I, I still like Nova. And you know, Purdue goes down. I don't think anybody was expecting that. That freshman connection of Ivy of Ivy and Edie just was not there. North Texas, hell, what's North Texas going to do now against Nova? It's unreal. It's unreal. But I know what you're saying about Gonzaga. I know what you're saying about Gonzaga. I said earlier in the week that I think if Gonzaga gets a good Big 12 team, they're going down. And, um, you know, I do have Kansas in my Final Four, and I have Kansas beating Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. I do. I do, and we're, we're going to see what happens. It's, uh, it is really going to be interesting. I think that's a great comment, though, uh, about what the Zags are and what they do. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens the rest of the way. And especially tonight, we have 16 games to get to. 16. Brad, appreciate the call, my man. Now, I teased this a little bit earlier about what Kyler said in his voicemail. want to make sure we get to this right now because this, my friends, is how you leave a voicemail. Let's go. 
Hey, BK. It's Kyler calling from calling from Washington. Uh, go Cougs. Uh, but first off, just excited for you and all your opportunities. Uh, you know, work March Madness should be fun. Um, I'll be in town for the tournament this weekend, so if you want to catch a beer somewhere, let me know. But, oh, hell yeah! Um, obviously, March Madness questions for you. Um, first one I got, um, who who are your, like, ultimate Cinderella team? So I'm talking, like, 13 seeds or lower that you can think of win one, maybe two games. Um, two teams I got for you are, uh, first off, Abilene Christian versus Texas. I know a lot of people are high on Texas, which I think they can go far, but uh, looking at Abilene, they only have four losses on the year, and one of them was to Texas Tech by only seven. Um, they have a top 30 Kim Palm defense. Um, what else? Oh, they forced the most turnovers in the whole entire NCAA Division One, and turnovers are something that Texas is bad at. So, really like, uh, really like Abilene. And then the second one is Oral Roberts, Oral Roberts, which makes me upset because. I'm a Ohio State fan, but they have the leading score in all the NCAA, and they're also the highest three-point shooting team. So um, if they get hot, and especially if Kyle Young is still out with a concussion, um, they, they could definitely beat Ohio State. And then the second question I got for you, also uh, Cinderella-esque, um, who is your favorite realistic um, team that's kind of under the radar that could go to the Final Four? Um, for me, it's got to be Oklahoma State. Um, I personally think Kate Cunningham is by far um, the best player in Division One. Um, no offense to Gonzaga and all their star players like Jalen Suggs, but I think Kate Cunningham could put Oklahoma State on his back and take them to the Final Four. But um, just let me know what you think about two of those. Um, excited to hear from you and maybe see you this weekend. Thanks, BK. Uh, absolutely see you this weekend. I'm on air noon to six uh, Saturday, Kai, and then I've got a show nine thirty or no, yeah nine thirty at midnight. But in that win, I got that little window, got that little window. Oh boy, dude! I, I, first of all, who's who was that? Oral Roberts? I guess it's Kyler. Um, I'm all aboard the Abilene Christian train. Heard from Joe Golding earlier this week on this show. Like I said, I'll take Drake over USC. I will take Drake over USC. I don't think the Trojans are tough enough. I really don't. And uh, I'm going to ride that. I'll ride the Bulldogs, and I will ride the Wildcats. Uh, Under the radar, look, what did I say about Wayne Tinkle's Oregon State team? You can mess with talent. You can mess with charisma. You can't mess with confidence. You cannot mess with confidence in the NCAA tournament. You can mess with all the talent in the world. What the hell did we see today in Ohio State? Right? You can mess with all the talent in the world. Oregon State, they got all the confidence right now, and they're going into a game against Oklahoma State, and Oregon State defends you. Cade Cunningham is going to be tested here coming up in the round of 32. Finally, is Jim, is Jim Beheim just doing Jim Beheim things? Like, is this seriously going to happen again where – uh, in 2016, people say he shouldn't have even been in the tournament. He He's one of the last four in. Dude goes to the effing Final Four. He <laughs> he goes to the Final Four in a tournament probably a lot of people didn't think he should have even been in. And they absolutely rail San Diego State. Oh, I mean kill him. San Diego State, I thought they could handle the 2-3 zone. Guess not. Syracuse now gets West Virginia. Look... Um, West Virginia, you got players complaining on TikTok. West Virginia does beat Moorhead State. 
But I'm sorry, that's Moorhead State. Are they going to be able to hang with the 2-3 zone? San Diego State was not. And you got guys complaining on TikTok that uh, their five-star hotel room isn't good enough at the JW Marriott. Dumb. Just dumb. Let's move on. Boudreaux, what's up, buddy? Hey, PK. It's your boy Boudreaux up here in Chicago, otherwise known as the quarantine capital of the Midwest. (laughs) First, just want to say congrats on all those interviews you landed. Really been great to listen to that throughout the week. Not sure when this will air, whether it's this week or next, but going into the second weekend, I'm kind of curious your thoughts about quarantine fatigue. For a lot of these players, you know, having to stay in their hotel rooms for an extended period of time, I'm sure it kind of messes with players. Or if you have any inside scoop about being able to have access to practice facilities or other arenas just to be able to get some gameplay in before the actual games, be interesting to hear about uh, that in further detail. But thanks, BK. Take care, brother. Bye. All right, so I won't name who, but I have some sources inside the bubble. Um, and these guys aren't allowed to go anywhere. They can't do anything. They can barely hang with their own team. They're staying in their rooms. Every player gets their own room. And look, as somebody on the road in baseball who enjoys getting my own room for a few days, it's nice. But for a month, I don't know. Um, look, I, I I talked about the West Virginia thing, and that's dumb. You shouldn't put that on social media. If you have a problem, literally ask the person, person in charge. It's their job to make you feel comfortable. It's literally their job to make sure you have everything you need. If you do not have everything you need, ask them. Don't put it on social media. That's dumb. That's dumb. That's like being in college and putting a party on your Snapchat. You're just going to get busted. You're going to get busted. You're going to get made fun of if you complain about the bubble. You're going to get made fun of. You're going to get ridiculed. People are going to tell you you're soft, like me. If you post this party on Snapchat and you say, come here, let's go, we're raging, the cops will be there, and somebody's going to rat you out. That's how it works. But really... No, I I have a couple sources inside the bubble. And these guys can't go anywhere, Booch. These guys can't practice anywhere they're not supposed to be at. I was walking the circle today. I went inside uh, a restaurant to get some food. Um, There was a a manager from one of the teams, I won't say who, and he was picking up uh, a huge order, four giant boxes worth of stuff for the team. So these guys can barely go out and get their own food. Now, uh, don't, don't try and tell me these guys aren't getting paid either. Uh, they're getting per DM money every day. But they, how it works is that they can send people out to go get stuff for them. They can't go get it themselves, if that makes sense. There's literally people, again, that run errands for them. They get the per DM money, and per DM money is pretty sweet. Brad, who called in earlier, can attest to that. Right, BP? Um, per DM money is pretty cool. They, they, they literally have people to do errands for them. But it sucks. Look, if I'm trapped in a hotel room, I would probably say something. I wouldn't put it on social media. I would probably say something. If my life wasn't good enough in the bubble, because look, you're obviously trying to be here for a set amount of time. Okay? And, um, but no, these guys can't go anywhere. You guys can't do anything unless it's at the arena they're supposed to be at, on the bus that they're supposed to be on, or at the meeting they're supposed to be at. Right? That's it. That's it. It's crazy. But, hey, 
What matters more? You not being able to have a social life for a little bit or trying to win a national championship? I think I know the answer. It's not like these kids in their hotel rooms are twiddling their thumbs and doing Sudoku books. Look, every one of them brings a PS4 and an Xbox One. That's how it works on the road. I've been traveling with teams the last four years. That's how it works. Everybody brings their video game console. You can play video games with your friends. I Look, it's not ideal, but you came to the bubble for a reason. You're playing for a national championship for a reason. You're here for a reason. You're one of the best 68 basketball teams in the entire world. And you have a chance to win the hardest national championship that's ever been won. If that doesn't get you pumped, get out. If that doesn't get you ready, get out. If you're not excited to play because you know you're making these sacrifices, you know it's going to pay off when you're lifting that trophy, leave now. It's not worth playing. It's not worth it. It's not. All right, so here's how the next episode of the podcast is going to work. Uh, not going to release on the normal Tuesday. I think I've given you guys enough content for a couple weeks now, pretty much. This has been a great week. I hope you guys have really um, enjoyed uh, what we've had here. I've done my best to try and uh, give you guys some content that you'll enjoy and that really you can learn something from. I think that's been the big thing. I've The, only, the big thing with these coach interviews, obviously... Uh, it's great to have the tape. It's great to have the samples that I can send somebody to say, hey, you know, talked with Mike Young. Hey, talked with Chris Holtman. Talked with Wayne Tinkle. But uh, most of all, I want to cover this tournament, and there's a long way to go. I want to cover this tournament to the best of my ability so I can, so we can say at the end of March that, hey, this is what we did. This is what we thought. This is what we set our minds to. And look, I wanted to get coaches. We got coaches. I wanted to get phone calls from you guys, 317-699-2350. We got them. I want this bubble to be awesome, and I want you guys to learn something. I really hope that you did. Uh, So we are going to release the next episode on Thursday. Let me get an exact date for you. Let's pull up the calendar. That would be the 25th. So Thursday, right at midnight, the next episode will be out. And uh, we'll dive into what's next about the tournament. That'll be after the round of 32. I'll get you ready for the Sweet 16. And again, that, that's why I want to release the, the podcast on Thursday. The round of 32 will just be wrapping up uh, on Monday. And that way, a couple days to decompress. We'll get all our thoughts in on Thursday. And we'll be ready to roll for another great weekend here in Indianapolis. Um, by the way, last thing. Last thing. Did you guys watch the Virginia Tech-Florida game today at Hinkle? What did I say? What did I say? Daytime basketball in Hinkle Fieldhouse. And most of all, the sun was out. And boy, did you see that glare on the floor? Did you see those streaks of sun? Stephen A., give me something. That was pretty much my reaction. (laughs) Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Talk to you on Thursday. Enjoy the round of 32. Kyler... I'm down for that beer. Let's go. I'm down for that beer. Thank you guys so much for listening. All the coaches that jumped on this week, I'm going to forget a couple. Joe Golding, Bryce Drew, Mike Rhodes, Wayne Tinkle, Chris Holtman, everybody. Thank you guys so much. John Gallagher, Hartford, neighborhood, baby. Thank you so much. Talk to you next week.